This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 48. Today on our show, Rich Wahlberg. I realized at one point that my voice, with just not much work, I can sound like Dan Horde, and I would call in sometime to Mo's show and be Dan Horde, live from the Shoemaker Center at the Fifth Third Arena. Yes, Rich Wahlberg can do spot-on impressions. It was amazing. And as many of you know, he spent 25 years on the radio in Cincinnati working for 97X, Q102, and WLW along the way. He's currently the director of communications for the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber. So Rich talked to Josh and Darren about his days in radio, including stories about Bill Cunningham, some of which may surprise you, and about how Mo Egger used to call in a WLW in character, plus loads more. Be sure to listen to the promo code at the end of the episode. As always, you can use that to save 20% on your next Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com order. And with that out of the way, let's talk to Rich Wahlberg. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-Cincinnati. She came down Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Rich Wahlberg is here with us today. How are you, man? I'm doing well. You? <laughs> you're laughing. You're laughing like you're scared of what's coming next yeah. or something. Because <laughs> I thought about it, like usually when I show up to do an interview, I prepare. Okay, these are the three things I need to talk about at Oktoberfest today, or yeah. or whatever I'm working on. And today, I guess we're talking about me. And I'm wondering how the hell to make that interesting. Well, I mean, it's just conversation, <laughs> yeah, talk about you know? whatever. Um, so right now, you're are you with the Chamber of Commerce? Yeah. Is that is that what it is? Yeah, the official name is the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber. So that's what I'm doing. And what now. is your official title? There I am right the now? Director of Communications. So you uh, you set up all the the PR and everything for the various right now. Outside, yeah, all of the events, so Taste of Cincinnati, Oktoberfest Cincinnati, Blink, Asian Food Fest, plus all of the in-house things that we do as far as our Minority Business Accelerator, our inclusion programs, membership, talent initiatives, transportation, government affairs, all those things. So there's the, there's the sort of uh, fun stuff. And not, it's all fun. But there's right. the festival fun stuff, and then there's the other more serious the day-to-day. Yeah pay the bills stuff yeah right but most people would probably know you or your voice from all the years you spent in radio yeah i was uh five years at q102 to start off with i actually did a few and what year was that that was 1988 so i started a few weeks after brian douglas started there yeah and he lasted bd i love bd yeah he started there uh, just a few weeks before me he lasted 25 years there I lasted about five and then uh, <laughs> got a job at WLW and stayed there 18 years. So, Wait, weren't you at 97X? I was at 97X for for about six months. I was also working at Kings Island at the time to because I was m- making more money at Kings Island than I was at 97X. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, yeah I, I did the uh, 
I think it was two to eight shift on Sunday morning. It was a long shift. Six hour show yeah. on Sunday morning. Yeah. So over wow. like Saturday overnight. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, just outside of Oxford in basically a house that was was redone and refurbished to become a radio studio. So people would show up at four in the morning because, hey, it's 96, pound on the door. And, and like, hey, man, you play some Susie and the Banshees. <laughs> like, all right, I'm not letting you in, but okay. That's so creepy. Well, Finn was there too, right? Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we established that. Yep. Yeah. We weren't there at the same time, but uh, yeah, I did various internships. I was at a station that was called Wink in Price Hill. That's 94.1. Yeah, 94.1. Yeah. And 94 point. So, Wink, uh, that's how I met Charlie and Melissa. Uh, okay. I don't know if you were there or at all when they were there. I was not. They were not, morning show people. That it, was, it wasn't Charlie and Melissa at the time. I, I I forget who was there at the time. That that was a lot of fun because basically all I did for that internship was drive the van around town and hand stuff out. Yeah. And, you know, anything. If, if we had a, a half-eaten pencil. People would say, hey, what do you got? And I'm like, well, this pencil. It's cool. <laughs> Give it up. Yeah, so I interned there. I interned at uh, WEBN, which at the time was about a block from where we are right now in, in Hyde Park. It's yeah. on Hyde Park Square. So those were the In Hyde Park Square? Yeah, it was right above, and I'm trying to think, JD something, a restaurant bar. And that was the first floor. The t- second floor was WEBN sales department. And the third floor was the, the creative and studios and all that. And so this one particular news person that was there, when I was the intern, I was very naive. And he would always say, I'm going downstairs for a little bit. Um, <laughs> if I'm not back, do the newscast without me. And so there was always that fear that he wasn't kind of, He always did show back up. But it took me the entire internship to realize he was going to the bar not to the sales right. he would, floor. <laughs> he, would, he would write his newscast, go down to the bar, and then come back and do the newscast. So That's those hilarious. were the fun. So I didn't need a drink before doing yeah. the news. I didn't yeah. know that they like. I didn't know that they were ever there. I just always. I don't know yeah. why. I always thought they were in uh, Mount Adams before where you know where they are now. But yeah. that's I, I had no idea that they, they were right down the street. Yeah. They moved from High Park to Mount Adams, and now they're in Kenwood. Yeah, that's crazy. So, you, what, did you go to school for broadcast? Yes, I did. I knew since I was five or six years old that that's what I wanted to do was be in radio. And then this TV show came on that was about radio, and it was in my city, and WKRP. Yeah. And that was that just put me over the top. So, I was one of those kids that grew up listening to Jim Scott every morning when yeah. he was on 1360 WSAI. And then the, the end of that story is I got to work with him many years later. But then uh, I, w- I was able to get into CCM in their broadcasting department. And it's now called eMedia, but at the time it was broadcasting. And no one understood why broad- – and I'm still not sure that they understand <laughs> why broadcasting was part of the co- College Conservatory of Music. music. <laughs> so, you know, all these dancers and singers and very talented people and then – all of us down the hall, you know, learning how to run cameras and that's awesome. microphones. So you're a local guy then? Yeah. Where'd you grow up? What high school did you go to? That's <laughs> yeah, I'm not supposed to ask that question, but uh, I grew up, it's very near Fairfield called Pleasant Run. I yeah. went to Northwest High School, which yeah. is Colerain's ugly stepsister. <laughs> so like all the good football and the good drama and all that, that, that was over at Colerain. And then I was part of the drama program and things like that at Northwest. So why are you, are you not supposed to ask people that now? That is it's that, it's it actually taboo? it's actually part of something through the Chambers Inclusion programs that that we ask because it, it 
it makes outsiders feel ah. not welcome when you say, oh, where'd you go to school? And they say Northwestern. And you go, oh, no, 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 I meant high school. Because <laughs> it's very, it's a very Cincinnati thing that, that uh, we talk about our high schools yeah. more so than maybe people from other parts of the but country it's talk insensitive. about. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. gosh. Now I can't even ask where you went to high school. I'm not telling you what you well, can I or think, can't ask. I think it's okay if you find out someone is from here. Right. And then you ask. That's what I've, I've started I by. But that, that, I, you know. It's one of those things that, you know, if you put that on social media that you shouldn't ask <laughs> it anymore. I, I would I love to see the comments. Trust me, it, it was a story in the news maybe three years ago, and Mary Stagman, who runs our inclusion programs, who's, who's fantastic, she she, she, she comes off projects. as she comes <laughs> off as, as very stodgy and proper, but she's awesome. Yeah. And she, she did this interview about not asking people for where they went to high school and you wouldn't believe the comments that oh, were, gosh. I think it was a WCPO.com article and it was it was everything from you know why don't you go live somewhere else to oh, things God. not quite yeah. so nice not quite so nice yeah, yeah. we don't want people not from here <laughs> I just say mentor thing. and they where's that Cleveland oh you went to high school in Cleveland right. yeah that happens yeah it does yeah. happen yeah but I, I start now with so are, are you from this area and then if they say that, and they go, oh, well, what part of town or where'd you go to high school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a way like around that. the fifth that. question. <laughs> like, what is this interrogation? <laughs> but I feel like I remember in college, like, if I was at a club, you know, if I was in caddies or somewhere and yeah. I was meeting somebody, that was like the, it was the first question out of your mouth. It's for sure. I, I'm I'm certain it's not just Cincinnati, but it is a very Cincinnati thing that that's what we do is ask where where did you go to high school and it's it, it's a very parochial area, not just in parochial schools, but just in in that that's how we identify people. And well, also there's not a lot of like within the city, there's not a lot of transient. Yeah. you know what I mean. It's like you you from there and you stay there because your parents are from right. there and they stayed there. You know, so it's more than just like. Oh, we might know some of the same people, but there is sort of the the underlying thing of like I can I know a lot about you because you're from the West Side right. versus you know yeah if somebody West says they went to Indian Hill, Hill High School <laughs> right? you're going to make an immediate that's assumption the, about that's that that's right so. you're absolutely so, right so where's your Beamer <laughs> I wonder if the Amish are jealous of us because they only go to like eighth grade. Where'd you yeah Where'd you go to junior junior high? <laughs> Um, so, all right. So walk it, let's take it, take it back. So okay. you're, so you go, you want to be an on-air personality? Yeah. At that point, that's what I thought I wanted to be. And then the more I got into radio, I realized some of these people and, and it's changed, it's changed now. But at that time there were still the big voice guys like Mark Sebastian and Bob Trumpy who. Mark just, Sebastian. Yeah. For, what a he great was on Q102. The Hawkman. The Hawkman. Tell me you love it. Who's, he's now doing mornings fill-ins on, on 700 WLW. Um, Steve really? Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, and and Trumpy, but they all had these big voices, and I just sort of have this voice, and so I started doing more behind the scenes stuff, and that's when I really, when I was at Q102, I started writing the newscasts for Pam Rahal, who was part of yeah. the, part of the Q Morning Zoo. I wrote her newscasts, and they had to be two minutes long, so you had to do five to ten stories in two minutes, and I got very concise in my writing that way. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed being the guy next to the guy. So at that point, I was the guy next to Pam. 
or you know then I started producing with the later days of the Q Morning Zoo and and Brian Douglas was part of that for a while too. John Jay. Yeah, I, I wasn't there for John Jay. I okay. had already moved to to seven hundred WLW by that point. But then I started realizing I really enjoyed making other people look good. So. <laughs> that's that's where <laughs> yeah, but it's not as you, lucrative but but and maybe it's the comic in me or just because like of all the forms of writing comedy like yeah. wordplay and puns mm-hmm. are my favorite and you are the king like well, you are the you. king of that <laughs> and when i would i would get so excited when i would just catch you know because it was like maybe it was a set time and i just yeah. i couldn't figure that out but when i would like catch you like doing like the entertainment yeah. report or something yeah. like that and i knew there was going to be some gold pun at the end i got so excited well tr- trust me they weren't all gold but i think i did that for about 10 or 11 years on jim scott show on 700 yeah, that's what i preferred you when i moved yeah. here that's probably you would just yeah. started doing that i, I was on at 5:50 a.m. which which uh, i considered i didn't the, hear any of that i considered that the dress rehearsal <laughs> <laughs> and then i would fine tune it for the 750 and i was lucky because i was uh, right before brenneman and jones on baseball during during the summer months and people love that so i think a lot of people tuned in and then they would hear me and then hear that and i appreciate you saying that uh, about about the puns I, I had a good time doing that i still include a lot of that in my writing now yeah because when i left wlw john keysweater who never wrote a nice word about wlw and probably still hasn't <laughs> when i left he wrote this really nice piece about me leaving and you know he was there 18 years and here's all the things he did and then like i think the first comment was prince of puns and i was like well that's really nice and the second comment was who cares so it just brought me right back to where i needed to be which, yeah Humble <laughs> like, you okay you're, you're right who cares it wasn't just me. No, it was anything that WLW did, John didn't like. And, and we, we toyed with him, trust me. What was that like? So I've always, uh, you know, I've only gotten to do a couple, like, local shows, you know, mm-hmm. like like whether it's on Bengals Nation or something like that. But I, you know, or even as one of the owners of this company, like, I always worry with how small of a town this is that some joke I make or something I say there's a good chance that I'm going to be face to face with that person. Oh yeah. And and I I don't know if I just try to avoid the confrontation, but is that something that you had to keep in mind for all those years on like the station here? As far as showbiz stuff, no, because that was more just making yeah, fun of Hollywood, Hollywood people. Yeah. Uh as as far as the other stuff, I was always the guy next to the guy. So I, I produced Jim Scott's show, Mike McConnell's show, and Bill Cunningham's show. So that doesn't mean the switches and knobs producing. There were other people that did that. I was the content guy. And actually, that's when Mo Egger and I met when, when yeah. he was he was running the switch and knobs right. for Jim's show. And I was, <coughs> I was mapped. He and I together mapped out that show. And, man, we had a good time back then. But uh, mapping out that show, then providing content for Mike to go through, and then each one was a different animal. Mike wanted just piles and piles of stuff, and he would go through it and decide what he wanted to talk about. And then Willie would just kind of come in and go, what's Mike talking about today? I'm like, well, he said this and this. And i well, uh, I'll, I'll do the opposite. I'm like, okay. He would just decide whatever Mike was talking about, he was going to take the other side of it. Um, but as far as, like, that was on them. 
And, you know, having Jim Scott, you really didn't have to worry about him being too offensive. <laughs> right. there, there were a couple of times where he would say things and not know exactly what what he was saying. <laughs> like what? I, I mean, can you think of an example? Oh, I can, geez, he's, like sweet, he's like the sweetest oh, man ever. He is. I could see him, you know, like... Uh, he is, but I just remember... Try new trout donkey punch or something like that. Somebody <laughs> gave him a line that he didn't know Well, that, that may something. have happened. Right. <laughs> uh, a he is the of, best. Yeah. He is the nicest man. And, and like I said, I grew up listening to Jim, and then to get to produce his show and work with him for years and years, that was just Surreal. really special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I've gotten to know him through a couple, like, the events with the Reds and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but... I remember the way that my parents talked about him as yeah. though he were like a, a a list celebrity from yeah. Hollywood. Like he like they revered like him. He he know? started in the late sixties at WSAI, and I, I've heard stories that he went door to door. Now, if you did that, That's, you'd get arrested. Yeah. Yeah. And he would go door to door and ask people to listen. And he continued not the door to door, but anywhere he went. I, I would go to dinner with him, and I knew I was going to sit by myself. Because he would walk around the restaurant, table to table, say, hi, I'm Jim Scott. Uh, I'm on tomorrow morning. Will you tune in? And he'd come back and he'd say, I got us four listeners for tomorrow. <laughs> and, and that was up until... I asked 300 people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> up until he retired, he that's how he worked the room. So Jim, Jim deserves every listener. He's sort of the Pete Rose of, of radio in that, you know, there are people that are more talented. Not, not to say Jim's not talented, but, you know, you look at like Mike McConnell and Bill Cunningham and some of the other people that are on that station. But Jim was out working every day trying to get new listeners, like pers one person at a time. That's amazing. Yeah, so he was really hustling. What, like, do you have, what are some of your favorite memories of working on, on that show or when, your radio days? Do you have oh. days that really stick out? Well, as far as, as far as Jim Scott's show, when he won the Marconi Award, and he, he paid for Mo and I to go with him. And we both were able to bring somebody with us. And we went to Seattle for the Marconi Awards. And that the Marconi Award is the Oscar of, of radio. So it's the big deal. And so we're in Seattle and we're like, this will be a fun trip. And, you know, if Jim wins, great. And if not, well, we get there and Jim starts pacing the room. And Mo and I are at that point like, oh, hell. Now he's got to win, like because like he is sweating it right now. He he's and he ended up winning. And he he there was a guy that uh, Mo and I worked with from another city when they were doing a some remote broadcast right after nine eleven. That was just a turd, and and Jim was up against this guy and beat him. So that made it even yeah even, sweeter even, even sweeter yeah. So that's a great that that's a great moment. Um, in 1990, when I was at Q102, we did a broadcast live from the Grammy Awards. So it was cool to get to go to the Grammy Awards. But before that, they would do the, it was you and 20 other radio stations piled into, we were at the Hotel Roosevelt in the ballroom. We would just would put radio stations all along the outside and then they would bring the guests in and go table to table to table. And so Jerry Seinfeld was one of those guests. Well, he, he was a big deal, but he wasn't TV Jerry Seinfeld yet. And I think his TV show was just coming on. Some of the voices from The Simpsons came through. Weird Al Yankovic was a big deal at the time. And he was hopping around the room on one leg with the other leg behind his head. Howard, <laughs> Howard Stern was doing his show. Of course, he had the biggest and longest table there. This was in 1990. And then afterwards, uh, you know, we do this broadcast and Brian Douglas said, he's like, hey, you want to go? I got tickets from RCA to go to this show. Do you want to go? I'm like, well, who is it? And he's like, some guy named MC Hammer. I was like, sure. <laughs> so we go. And, you know, it was right before he broke broke 
really yeah. big too. And he had, we were cracking up because he, it was him and like 20 dancers on the stage. Yeah. And we're like, my God, what does this cost just for the dancers? But it was right before he hit it. <laughs> That's why it's broke. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, just Please think, hammer, don't hurt him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Experiences like that that are, you know, for me, that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, you know, getting to go to the Grammy Awards and then the the parties afterwards that you always hear about and those things. So, What about the right. days of, like, uh, you know, like 9-11 or stuff like that? Like, what is – what's the newsroom or the yeah. or shows like that – Especially a channel like WLW, mm-hmm. you know, do you have to balance like how political you are on those oh, days? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, tone it down. For, for, first of all, those days suck for for anybody in radio, just like they did for anybody else. One of the things Daryl Parks was the program director at the time at, at WLW, and he he had taught us this in other on other issues, but especially that day where we're not taking any calls today. It's all guests get guests that that know what they're talking about, whether they be terrorism experts or psychology or get some priest on to talk about, you know, how, how to cope with all this. But no calls because, you know, if you're going to take calls on 9-11, it's going to turn into, let's, you know, we got to yeah. get all the blank blanks out of this country <laughs> yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And that's just not what anybody needs right then. So he was smart enough to know, you know, just take guests today. It's all educational today. You know, if take the ABC network until they have nothing new to say and then come on and be, be ready to go with a lot of guests. But as far that, that's one of the things that I don't miss about radio at all is days like that. And I had, I had left and had been gone maybe 10 days from radio and was working at the national MS society at the time. And they said, there's going to be a special news announcement at 11 o'clock tonight. And I turn it on and it was the announcement that bin Laden had been killed. And immediately I'm like, all right, what do I need to do? And it was like, Dude, you got to go to bed and go to your other job today. And it was really nice not having to. In fact, when I left radio, I probably didn't listen or watch the news for about a year. Just really, just I had been in it for eighteen years, and it was that was two thousand eleven. And you know how things, how divisive things are now. Then it was it was maybe not as bad, but pretty much the same. And I just needed to get away from it for a while and invested in satellite radio, and that's what I looked. I still listen to that a lot, but for about a year, I just didn't listen. I was the dumbest man in America. Standing on the moon. What do you you think about Obama doing? Like, I have no idea what he did. I I have no control over it anyway. So it felt really good just to get away from it for a while. What what percentage would you say, you know, without peeling the curtain back too much, uh, you know, of you know, like you talk about Cunningham, like he seems like a guy who would say, "I'm going to say the opposite," just to provide something different but you know as a as a guy who probably leans left me mm-hmm. myself and I, you know i turn on 700 and i just literally go do these guys really believe this or are they playing to their audience <laughs> because it just seems too over the top yeah is there a lot of that that goes on when you're doing that kind of those kind of political shows that you just you have to cater more to your audience or or do you get as big as Bill Cunningham and Mike McConnell that you can say what how you really feel? I, I think there's a mixture. I think people like Mo and Mike McConnell that what what you hear is what is what they really are, and then you have people like Bill Cunningham who to me is just P.T. Barnum. Yeah, and he, and he gets it, and he's he started as an attorney with Leslie Isaiah Gaines, and he was a Democrat, and did the show and realized that wasn't working. And said, okay, I will just take the other side. And now he's, 
He's a great American. <laughs> That's amazing to me. Yeah. And, Andy and Furman's a great showman, too. Don't those... So, but don't so those... Colbert ripped him off? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that would be around? a good show, wouldn't it? Yeah. Colbert and Willie. <laughs> yeah. So don't those shows exist still somewhere out there that people could hear things I, he used to say versus he says now? It was or? probably the late 70s, so if they do, Maybe they're not, on cassette, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah. Let's take him up. <laughs> we got to take him out. Yeah. Um, no, and Bill will tell you that story. And Bill just like, like most of the time, if you went and watched Bill doing his show, you could see him like a fly rubbing his hands together. Like, like I, <laughs> I watch the phones light up when I say yeah, this. Yeah. When I say this, then this will happen. Uh, there was a time. There's this perception about Willie that he might not be as racially sensitive as he should be. But I will tell you, he had we had the Black Panther Party come in. So there was like five guys and, you know, they come in to talk to Bill and they're very militant. They look exactly like what you would think, you know, dressed all in black and they're very militant looking. And they're Bill and these guys are really going at it. So during the break, I think I better check in, make sure everything's okay. And I open the door. And the guy from the Black Panther Party says, okay, when we come back, I'm going to say this. Are you serious? And then you say this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. This is, and I went back and listened. And it was even more fa- – it's not always like that, but it was fantastic. There was another – there was this gentleman that would drag the American flag through Cincinnati. And they had this great debate on, on Bill's show. And then after the show, the guy was waiting out in the lobby and Willie's leaving – and he's like, what are you still doing here? He's like, well, I'm waiting for a bus. You know, it's not. And Bill's like, where do you live? And I forget where he said. He's like, come on, I'll take you. So, like, as much as Bill is on the air, after the show's over, you know, the guy who drags the flag through the streets of Cincinnati, Willie drove him home. Yeah. So, you know, it's he he's there's a good guy behind that persona. I love and, that. And I hate to hear that at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I remember I went to a wrestling event and uh and I ended up, a buddy of mine was working security and I ended up backstage and I was, and I like walk in and here's Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit going over exactly what's about to happen. <laughs> and, and I'm like, this is really cool to see, but it also kind yeah. of ruins the magic for me a little bit too. I, there was a, a jeweler that, that I went to to get a watch and they're like, Hey, you work at WLW, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, a couple of weeks ago, Willie and Say got in a fist fight. And I was like, yeah. Like, is that for real? I'm like, what? Are you sure you want to know? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, we want to know. I'm like, are you? I'm, if I pull back the curtain, then it, it, the curtain is open. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, of course we want to know. And then they said, well, no, it wasn't for real. Like, Bill needed to get suspended because he's going on vacation next week, and we would always just we would suspend him every time he went on vacation. And they're like, that's wrong. And they were so pissed, and I was like, I, I told you I was going to pull back the curtain, and so. <laughs> a lot of WLW is not an education, or at least while I was there. I, I can't speak for how it is now. 700 WLW is not about education. There were newscasts, but the, those folks are the journalists. The talk show hosts are not journalists. They are there to entertain. And that, everything that, that we did, at least while Daryl Parks and I were there, was all about entertainment. That's great. I mean, I guess I like <laughs> to hear that because... <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I sit in my car sometimes and I'm like, I can't listen to this. <laughs> I think I, I think what gets me mad is when they take calls and the people agree with the ridiculous oh, yeah. things you're saying. I'm like, this guy's not playing. Like this yeah. guy, this guy. <laughs> yeah. There was is a serious. Th- there was a guy on overnights for a while that sometimes I would tune in because I would work the morning show and I'd listen to 
driving in. Truck and Bozo? It was not truck. <laughs> I don't want to say who it was, but you could tell it just wasn't listening at all to what the callers were saying. And they were just saying horrible. It was while Obama was president, so you can. And, and his response was just. His response was, mm hmm. You could tell he was watching TV or something. Like, this, yeah. this guy basically just said, he basically said Obama shovels babies onto train tracks. And he goes, uh huh. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like a, a response to that, that. Did you ever have to answer the calls? Like, were you, did you, was that ever part of your job to, to screen the calls coming in? Um, Every now and then. I, I wasn't in the studio much. When I was at Q102, that was my job with the Q Morning Zoo was to screen the calls. Fun story about that if you want to hear it. Was, yes, of course we do. Um, Always. This, no, and this out. was at the time when <laughs> okay, you, um, Jimmy Buffett used to do like five nights in Cincinnati, which is really oh, hard yeah, to believe. Yeah. But it was a big deal when yeah, he was in town. Yeah, I remember that. And so we're doing some topic about Jimmy Buffett, and I'm going through the phone calls, and this guy, I pick up the line, and he's like, uh, okay, good point. What's your name? It's Jimmy Buffett. I was like, yeah, okay, Jimmy Buffett, you hang on. And it turned out it was Jimmy Buffett calling him. <laughs> that's and, awesome. Yeah. Back to Willie for one second. Sure. I think, that's no, how, I think that's how you and I met, is you came up to be a guest on Willie's show. I think Seg had told you you could come on. And then Willie called me. He's like, "What are these T-shirt guys doing here?" <laughs> and I had to come down. I had to come down and say, "Bill, Bill doesn't want you on the show." After somebody else had told you that Bill wanted you on the show, that and could have been. That could have been it. Yeah. And I, so ever since that, like Mo, you and Mo were close. And I was like, "He knows I'm not a jerk, right?" <laughs> I remember uh, walking. I, we were doing something. This is when we first started. We were yeah. making me shirts, and we had a sh- shirt that said, "I got mugged on the Purple People Bridge." <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's pretty shoddy design or whatever, but we, we somehow had that shirt walking through the halls of Clear Channel. I don't know if we did something with EBN or It was Mo. probably with Mo and, um, but Willie's uh, breaking down the hallway and we're like, Hey, Bill, check out our shirt. Oh, very <laughs> nice, sir. You know, I, you know, I guess he was, he was nice to us and, yeah. but, uh, I, I just remember showing him that shirt for some reason. <laughs> we should bring that back. Bill, yeah. I want to. I'd love to get him. on. I don't know if he'll do it. I know Seg will do would. it, but I'd really? love to get Bill. I think on Willie here. would do wow. it. Huh? Can I tell you about my my favorite phone call from Bill? Con- Actually, I called him because <laughs> there was some guest he wanted. I was calling him to to tell him, and he he tells this story on the air. This is from the other side, though. I call and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we should do that." And I'm like, "You all right?" He's like, "Gretch, yeah, I, I I'm on the roof of my house." I'm like, <laughs> okay. I, I, I got on a ladder and climbed up here to get something, and now I'm I'm afraid to get back down. What should I do? I was like, I, Bill, I'm you know 30 minutes away. I have no idea what you know. Is the ladder still there? Yeah, but but I'm afraid to get to the ladder. Willie would he'll tell this story much better. <laughs> I remember that. But uh, he had to call the fire department and have them <laughs> come get him off the roof of his house. And it was like I, when I heard the full story on the air, I was like, I was part of that. That was fun. <laughs> What, what should I do? <laughs> Man. But on he, sunscreen. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear the callers that make it through on, like, Sports Talk and, oh, yeah. and 700. I can't imagine what the ones that don't make it through, what those people are like. Well, and then you have – it's much better now, but there was a time when the Hot Stove League, yeah. it was when it was Marty and Joe, yeah. and Marty was yeah, like, all right, uh, Sam from West Virginia. What do you got, Sam? Marty? <laughs> yes, Sam. Uh, you're really, you're really good. <laughs> right, and the, hey, Joe. Yeah. 
Man, thanks for all the years. <laughs> okay. You got a question? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you guys like you like each other? Yeah, it was just... just Mo and I would listen to those shows together. And just hold for an hour, probably. Now, if you ever, I know you've had Mo on in the past. If you ever have him back, ask him about how he used to call into the show from down the hall as other people. Oh. And for a long time... It wasn't known that he was calling. It Why was not Jim Day used to call into the banana phone <laughs> yeah. as like a regular guy? And um, of course, Adam Dunn did it once yeah. from the dugout during a rain delay. Uh, Tim, Hed- Tim Hedrick, late Tim Hedrick, used to call <laughs> Willie's show as average citizen. And <laughs> it was, we had switched our affiliation, TV affiliation, to another weather provider. So he would call in as average citizen to talk about whatever. So, <laughs> any other any other ones you can think of of people we might know that played a played a character? Did you well, ever have to, to, did you ever play character calling in? Uh, on Gary Burbank's show, every now and then, but not not as much. But you know, the, a lot of those people that people think are fake callers are actually, if they are fake callers, they're doing it on their own. Jim and Loveland, or whatever. yeah, yeah. A lot of the people that used to call into Tracy Jones, like I don't know if Tracy knew that guy or not, but. Like, they think that we created these characters, and it's not. If if they are actually characters, they were created by someone who decided, I'm going to be this guy and call into this show all the time. Which is kind of creepy, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> there was oh, Mr. K, who used to work at WEBN. He was a character on Bill Cunningham's show. He would call and go, Bill! I can't remember the character's name right now. but That's he, how Duke he, started. Yeah. yeah, Duke was started, Marge. Yeah, he was Marge, and and he yeah. told us that, and he th- he had people fooled, and it was Doc that, that found him out. <laughs> okay, and that's how he got his job with Gary. Yeah, Gary Gary had a very talented crew there for a while, and I see Doc all the time downtown. He he works for an ad agency now. And, yeah. But yeah, I do think Willie would come on your show. I uh, <laughs> I used to call into Mo Egger's show as Ivan, the strip club owner from <laughs> uh, Deja Vu. It was like well, at least this it Russian. Was a good call. It was this Russian, terrible <laughs> Russian accent because because we had done some kind of remote or something from Deja Vu, oh, and the guy who ran the place had this like really thick Russian accent, <laughs> and I kept making fun of him. And I was like, "You need to call in as that guy," and and he kept saying, "Red Bull, I give you, I give, I give you Red Bull for three dollar. Normally we charge four dollar. I give you Red Bull three dollar." And every place. call that I would call in, it would somehow. I would, I would get. We got Red Bull on sale this week. We got a special. Yeah, that's all they're allowed to sell. five hundred guys with Red Bulls. I realized oh, that was depressing. I realized at one point that my voice, with just not much work, I can sound like Dan Horde. And I would call in sometime to Mo Show and be Dan Hord live from the Shoemaker Center at the Fifth Third Arena on the campus of the University of Cincinnati. That's so good. So, okay, yeah. But I just had nowhere to go after I would do that part, so it just it wasn't very. That's fun. a really good day. But yeah. if, you, if you can impersonate, on. if you can impersonate Dan Hord, you can also do Norm Macdonald. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> and also Louis Anderson. So they're all in that same family of nasally voices. Kind of old timey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I, that was a bit we wanted to do but it just never really turned into anything because once I got past the you know University of Cincinnati there was nothing else to say. <laughs> touchdown fair cats that's hilarious honey what's for dinner I, yeah I used to do uh, I used to do a Hank Hill impression in my act <laughs> and um, 
I remember I was on stage one time and I did the bit and this guy was like, uh, what if he, uh, what if he was shopping at the mall? And I was like, what? He's like, do Hank Hill shopping at the mall. And that was, that was when I realized, like, I don't know if I can just talk like him. Like, I learned how to say certain things. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but then I started practicing it and I got to the point where I wrote a bit about being able to just turn that voice on, like at a, a drive through or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, he came up here to the show. He's like, he's like, how long have you been doing that voice? And I was like, I don't know, like five or six years. And he was like, well, who did it before you? <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm not oh, the no, guy. I'm not the guy who does it. Like, I just, he's like, get out of here. So, I did Jim Rome for on Gary's show. Oh, it didn't cool. really sound like him, but I had the, I had the cadence, I thought. Right. And I had the, the shtick where he mm-hmm. repeats the same joke over and over and over and then goes back because he's not going to do it anymore and does it over. I heard it right does, there, does, over and over. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> I get that. I totally get that. I did that okay, but then when I had I doing it for five minutes. Yeah. riff. It was, it was yeah. hard, yeah. But Gary's, oh, people think it's really him. I'm like, no, they don't, Gary. It's nice of you to say that, <laughs> but people don't think it's him. So, so work, working on morning shows where we would have comedians as guests, a, a lot of times it was sort of like, all right, Mike's on, be funny. So yeah. I, now I ask you a question. Like, how hard is that to turn on, especially if you're doing those? It's the worst. Shows? Yeah, it's the worst. And I don't know if I'm if I'm a little more analytical, being the comic, but I know I hate to hear a comedian try to pass off material as conversation. Yeah. Like if a comedian yeah. does that to me, I'm like, you're working on a bit. Stop it. You know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. stand that. Speaking it sounds so unnatural. And so when I do radio, if they don't ask me a question. Uh, where they can lead me into something and I can make it sound conversational, then all I just I just say, look, I'd like to just sit here and talk, and then hopefully if we talk long enough, I'll be able to say something be funny. funny. Yeah, you know? right. Um, like the people watch, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're in the on your softball. show. I'm sure something <laughs> funny will come out of it. Yeah, but you know, but sometimes you do a station, or mm-hmm. you'll go to like a building like Clear Channel where there's like seven stations, and you yeah. just bounce around them, and you do have two minutes to try to sell people to come to the show mm-hmm. so if you know it has happened a couple times where they don't give you any lead-ins and it's it's awkward that's all it is you know yeah. like I, I remember i was in north dakota and this guy's like so you're at the comedy club this weekend and i was like yeah and he was like okay it's like dude it's 7 30 yeah. in the morning right now like no, no one is ready for me to just go into my act, you know, yeah. like out of context. And and that's why from the comedian standpoint, it's very apparent when people like the on the other side are very good at their job where they can incorporate your stand up or yeah. whatever. They set you up to mm-hmm. succeed on their show, you know, and a lot of times the, the thing you run into is radio personalities are threatened by you. Like they don't want to not be the funniest person in the room. I used to work with one of those guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so you, you know, I have such an appreciation for the people who want to make you look good. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing that they'll do, which is hilarious is you'll sit, you'll say a joke and they'll, open mouth laugh but no sound comes out or, or they'll be like you know going like to, and i'm like people don't know that you're laughing at this like right. if you're listening it sounds like you're just staring at me while i'm doing material like you need to audibly laugh you know even overdo it a little bit maybe yeah. not bob and tom overdo right. it but right. enough that people think like you're enjoying our conversation in person you know there there, there was a comedy club in town 
I'm realizing that most everyone I'm talking about has passed away, which says Ray a lot Holmes. about me. Yeah, yeah, Ray Combs Comedy Club, and he 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 had a partnership with Q102 when I was there, and he would bring the, the people by, the comedians by every week, and he kept telling us like these. I'm bringing big names in, big, na-, and we were of the mind of never heard of any of these people. Right, and it took about a year after, but. I remember having breakfast with Brian Douglas at the Frishes in Covington with George Lopez and Brad Garrett, who, <laughs> wow. who at the time were not George Lopez and Brad Garrett, but, right. and the, the woman, if you've ever been to the Frishes in Covington, it starts with you, use and you's going to want breakfast, yeah. you know, and this woman's going table to table telling them the breakfast bar is closing and breakfast bar is closing breakfast. And Brad Garrett yells across the room, Hey, Paul Revere, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> so even if he had never made it really big, I would always have that. <laughs> so, Great. Yeah. And then I, I just watched Christopher Robin the other night. He's the voice of Eeyore. So yeah, it felt good oh, to know that. Yeah. 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 It's so funny because, you know, when people get to where he is, yeah. that the people who know him for the brother on Everybody Loves Raymond don't know that he was a comic forever yeah. before and that. You really know? funny. Really funny. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen his act. Oh, he's great. Oh. He used to call me Potsy. So, you know, hey, Potsy, <laughs> nice sweater, you know, whatever. And it just made me laugh just because, like, hey, Brad Garrett called me cop, called me Potsy. So. so that was the 80s, 90s? That was late 80s or early 90s, yeah. I was at Q102, 88 to 90, early 93, so somewhere in there. I'm guessing early 90s. When, so when, you really saw the transition of, like, yeah. radio personalities were celebrities locally yeah. to... To you where know. not not as much. Yeah, yeah I mean just, the the big ones still are obviously, but right. you know it's not like a you're you're known around town. Yeah. I feel like if the party got really going at eleven o'clock, I got there around midnight, so it was still kind of you know the the eleven o'clock people, but it wasn't the you know that you heard the stories about things that happened you know that Pat Berry did this or Mark Sebastian did that or Pat or Berry yeah <laughs> or that. Uh, you know, that was at Q102. And then the, the legend at, at 700 WLW was always Bob Trumpy's stories. You heard all the horrible things that he did to people. <laughs> and if you parked it, and here's what's funny. The building I work in now for the Cincinnati Chamber is the building where 700 WLW was when Trumpy and James Fa- Francis, Patrick O'Neill and Gary Burbank and all those guys, they were on the third floor at 3 East 4th. So the garage I park in is the garage that this story, this legend happened in. So I take anybody that I know that worked at LW into this car. I'm like, this is where it happened. So uh, Bob Trumpy is known to, if you parked in his spot, he would let the air out of all four of your tires. <laughs> oh so, which I'm not sure how that helped him get back in his spot. But Mo and I early on were like, we heard all these stories about Bob, but we would just, whatever he gave us, we would fire right back at him. And I think he appreciated that. And we still have a, tra- Mo and I have a tradition, even though we don't spend Christmas together. We used to go to Waffle House on Christmas Eve every year. Mo and I would go. We don't do that anymore because I'm married now. He has kids. He has a a daughter and a wife. So that that tradition has gone by the wayside. But we still call Bob Trumpy every year and invite him to join us at at the Waffle House, which is usually met with a two-word response. (laughs) (laughs) You troll Bob Trumpy. We call him him every year. (laughs) You know, know, that big voice. What do you want? Hey, we're going to. I'm not going. No, no. <laughs> so that and that's a lot. The, meeting Mo Egger, like 
I, my dad died when I was 30 and my girlfriend broke up with me right after that. And then I met Mo and Mo came from Jersey where his friends were all firemen and these big dudes. So Mo had like these big guys around him all the time. So he was fearless. And I had to remind him, like, I'm not those guys. Yeah. And man, yeah. we, we torched our, my thirties and his twenties. <laughs> like if I had all the money that I spent on beer at Habits and other places, I could probably retire now, oh, but I wouldn't God, I give that up for that. anything. I love to hear that. Yeah. Some other time, maybe, you know, have Mo and I back and we'll tell all the stories we shouldn't. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. We absolutely oh, yeah. need to make totally. that happen. So I heard you have Extra a John Mellencamp story. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you hear that from Mo? No. no I don't I think I can tell this story on the air. Well, we we have one. Okay. You're part of so, Mellencamp's story? I don't know that one. Okay. Well. Who's going to go for I'll, I'll tell John mine best. Can, I'll tell Jack and Diane. Uh, I'll tell mine best I can. Um, it was a Q102. He was doing a show at Caddy's. He was doing a surprise show at Caddy's. And this was, you know, he was a big deal then. So him playing at Caddy's was crazy. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that Jim Mooring from, who's now one of the owners of Holy Grail, I'm sure he's the one who set this up at Caddy's. But he, um, <laughs> He comes to the radio station beforehand, John Mellencamp does, and he's doing photos and, you know, meet and greet with everyone. And I go up and say, what's your name? And it's Rich. He goes, Rich, let me give you some advice. I'm like, okay. So if you, if you step up to the plate and you take a swing, it doesn't make you a baseball player. But if you blank one blank, you're a blank blanker for life. And that's the best I can tell that story. With the Whoa, fill in the blanks. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I, wow. I just get bleeped anyway. So Wow. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, great advice. Thanks. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. So that's my Mellencamp story. So uh, what's the comedy club up there in Bloomington? The um, comedy attic. Comedy attic. So uh, a a guy. Well, you know him better than I do. I've only met him a couple times. Jimmy Pardo is a comedian, and he was playing there. And he, uh, guy that worked on Mellencamp lives in the area in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And I guess this guy went out to Mellencamp's uh, farm or whatever, and the the pool, all, the, all around the pool, was all busted up, all the tiling. Okay. And I go, what what happened here? And the guy goes, Oh, well, uh, John got a little upset that he wasn't the first ballot into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Just tore so, his. His own pool? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, another, this one actually is a, a, a more favorable one, so we're not totally beating up the guy. Yeah. But a guy was on Pat Francis's podcast, um, the the drummer, the bald guy that can't okay. remember his name, but uh, he drummed from for years and years. They were making the first record, or maybe it was the second record, and uh, a record company, young record company executive comes in, like a kid, younger than Mellencamp, because I don't hear any hits on this record. Mellencamp grabs him by the collar physically oh, and geez. physically throws him out the door, and that was it. And I think he did have been having a lot of hits from that album. It might have been the one with Jack and Diane all the okay. guys on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like how Probably. you're like, here's a more favorable... It is. Uh, because, well, that's, <laughs> that's a cool story. That you, this, that's one's your, this one has a salt in yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of the three stories, mine was the nicest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he was I, giving people, me advice. But that's, a rock and, but that's a real rock and roller for you. Right, you know, I don't right. hear any hits from this young executive. That's yeah. first ballot Hall of Famer type stuff. Exactly. Right, right. That's right. That'll get you in. All right. So you left LW just a couple of years ago, right? In 2011 on opening day. Oh, wow. Day. Was that long ago? Yeah. Opening day 2011. The timing just worked out that way. And it was like, okay, I can spend another three weeks and opening day and then just, and, and that's pretty much how it went. Jim's show was, we we're doing it from the Cadillac Ranch, I think. And so we did the morning show. And then I was pretty much done for the day and just, there was no goodbye. There was no, I just like, left Cadillac Ranch and 
walked into the sunset and I went to work uh, for the National MS Society locally, the, lo- yeah. the local chapter. And that was four terrific years there and did some really felt really good about when you work at WLW for 18 years, like you're at least part of some really lousy things and didn't want to be part of really lousy things for the entirety of my life. So that's what I started looking for, you know, what not for profit things could I do? And had saw a job at the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, called a friend of mine who worked at the National MS Society, who's still a very good friend of mine. And I asked her if she knew someone at Leukemia and Lymphoma. And she said, are you leaving? And I said, yes. She said, come work here. <laughs> Within about 48 hours, I had a job offer from the National MS Society. Jeez. Wow. Did so, you just have a list of horrible diseases? I started in the L's yeah. and, and ended up in the so M's. Lupus was <laughs> <filled>. <laughs> Yeah. So, no, and, and did, felt really good about, about what we did there. And, and they're still doing it. I think they're real close to finding something that may not cure multiple sclerosis, but would at least stop it. And maybe reverse it in in those people that are living with it, and I I think they're real darn close to some of that stuff. Really? So that's important. Yeah, and that would if they find this, then it's going to trigger for other similar diseases as well. And so you were there for four years. Yeah, and that that was in Blue Ash, and then there there used to be a guy named Ray Buzzy that worked at the Cincinnati Chamber, and he was. He was the guy you always saw that was talking about Oktoberfest and taste and all those things. I always thought, man, that'd be the best job. And a friend of mine who works at the chamber still said, hey, our, our PR guy just left. Are you interested? And it was one of those. I had tried I had tried for that job maybe 10 years earlier when I was in radio and didn't even get past the phone screen. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ended up so I don't know how, but I got the job and thrilled. Like to be part of it was a lot of work and a lot of personalities, but to get to be part of Blink, that like, yeah. if I could have just, you know, if I had enough money that I could have just walked away right after that, that would have yeah. been the way, like, that <laughs> was awesome. Did Bye. You, did you see it coming? <laughs> the, the Blink uh, yeah, phenomenon? like how crazy everything was. I knew it was going to be really cool. I kept hearing people, you know, our, mar- our marketing budget for that was not a huge budget. And so yeah, I just feel like no one knew about it. Right. That's what people can nobody like, knows about this. Everyone I was working with, nobody knows about it. And I'm like, look, we're doing our best. We're getting out we're getting out as much as we can. And then Thursday night we did the parade to kick it off in in over the Rhine. And about five o'clock I walked up Vine Street and kind of looking around. I see a few people like but the regular crowd basically on a Thursday night walking up to where the staging was for the parade. And I was like, oh boy. Now on the way back down, it was a little more filled in. I think I was expecting like the chairs strung together like the Harvest Home Parade in, yeah. in Cheviot. But that that wasn't there. So walk back to, and then at a the parade was supposed. We said it was going to start at seven. We knew it would really start around seven fifteen when when the sun went down. About ten till seven, it went from being whatever ten thousand people to being about a hundred thousand people. It just on a Thursday of, on a Thursday night. All of a sudden, there were just uh, I don't know where they all came from, but it was five people deep on the sidewalks yes. for this parade, and then started seeing the social media posts of the insta- you know of some of the some of the uh, projection mappings and the installations. And I was like, okay, we got this. Cause it, the Instagram feed was nothing but, Oh yeah. and then to, you know, I made sure to get back to my, I was staying at a hotel downtown that weekend, get got back to the room. Like, okay, I turn on the 10 o'clock news on Fox 19. And it, it started with that. And they, there was this great projection mapping on one of the buildings 
behind the uh, reporter. I was like, we got it because there were a hundred thousand people. Plus they were now doing all the marketing for us. And then it was just packed the rest of the weekend. Sunday was a little slower than the other days, but still only a quarter of a million. Yeah. (laughs) We, we, we estimate there were about a million visitors over the weekend and that it was just incredible, incredible to be part of. I didn't know it was going to be history making like that, but I did know it was going to be cool. Yeah. They came to us and uh, asked us about doing shirts and apparel and we're like, they're like, we don't know how many to order. What do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got the last hat, I think. Because after it was, I kept wanting, wanting to get back to one of the booths to buy a hat and never got there. So I think you had like two hats left. Yeah, after. we undershot that by a little bit. Well, I, so did we. <laughs> so, yeah, we Baltimore does something similar, but nothing like Blink. They, they do like art installations and light installations. They don't have the murals that we have. And so we, we have a leg up on them. many, many cities and that they just don't have the murals we have to project onto and bring those to life. So... You know, we thought we went to the one in Baltimore. It was really cool. It's called Baltimore Light City, uh, but it, but not what we do here, where we have art installations, the projection mappings on the murals, on the buildings, and then also doing brand new murals by international artists. So we had seen theirs. They had their first year, like four hundred thousand people, and so we thought, okay, we'll try for five. That way, we're at least we'll be number one. And then it was just crazy. And what was so cool. And this was always part of the plan, but I don't think any of us appreciated how big of a part of the plan it was going to be, is that the the art groups, you know, I want to make sure they get credit because they're the ones, Brave Berlin, Artworks Cincinnati, the Agar, or the Agar, and uh, the Hale Foundation were the first four groups that were really in. They brought the chamber in a little bit later. But because it was free and open to the public, anybody could enjoy it. It's one of those things that, and, and right now that's what we're fighting, you know, that Cincinnati's experienced this great renaissance, but there are still people that can't enjoy it like, like, you know, like maybe we can. So, but for Blink, for four days, anybody could come to this, whether you have a home or a dollar or, or anything, you could come and enjoy Blink. And everyone was in a good mood. We had a million people and zero police incidents. And the, and the, the police were awesome too in, like seeing that this crowd was a lot bigger than what they thought it was going to be and turning on a dime and making sure that everybody was safe and hundreds of thousands of people crossing Liberty Street to go see murals on Pleasant Street, which set, you know, I was there Saturday night at 11 o'clock. I can guarantee you that there are many Saturday nights at 11 o'clock that I'd be on Pleasant Street, you know, near yeah. Finley Market and just everybody coming together and it was one of those, you know, we, we talk about how divisive things are now. This is one of those things where everybody was just together and share, enjoying this shared moment. It was yeah. really, really cool. So you guys gearing up for next year? Yeah, so how do you yes, top that for next year? Well, we're going You're to... give the streetcar its own lane. <laughs> Actually, how about no cars downtown? Can oh, we yeah. do that? I, we can't, but ah. we're working on that. We're trying to make that better. What First of all, I tried to explain this the first time around. I'll try to explain it now. This is not Festival of Lights. It's not supposed to be... You're not supposed to drive through it. But having yeah. said that, there are people that that's their only way to see it. So like if if someone's taking their grandma and that's their only way for grandma to see it, then, you know, come on down and try it that way. We made and, grandma walk three blocks. <laughs> so we gave the, up. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, street, the, the event was built around the streetcar to try to activate the streetcar. <laughs> and we accidentally 
shut down the street. <laughs> we sort of broke downtown for the weekend. But as far as for 2019, Arts Wave is now uh, the one of the presenting sponsors. And so it's Blink Illuminated by Arts Wave. And so if, if you contribute to the Arts Wave campaign, some of your money will likely, you know, might be a penny or two, but will go to help. It's, it's, it's a pricey event. So go to help make Blink 2019, you know, is, is successful and more successful than the original. We're also expanding into Covington. So it will go from the suspension bridge on to about 7th Street on Mad- 7th and Madison in Covington. And so there were, we, it's a regional event. We want to be as inclusive as possible. And so this is a way to include another neighborhood just by, you know, pretty much ended at the suspension bridge last time. If you want to, if you started at the other end, it ended there, or it could have started there. But and now going across the bridge into Covington and and Northern Kentucky is very excited, and so are we. And you've got your temple events, of course, like Taste of Cincinnati, yeah. Oktoberfest. I mean, what can you do with those events? That you know, I mean, you moved Oktoberfest, yeah. which yeah. was was a big deal to move Oktoberfest. Yes, it was. But like. Do those events just get to a point where it's just like everybody circles it on their calendar? Not, yeah. I don't want to belittle your job, no, 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 but, but I, are those the, are the bigger events the ones that you have least amount of work to do to promote? No, there's still a lot of work to do, but believe me, they've both been around about 40 years. So there's 40 years of PR that has already been done. Because Taste is the me. biggest food, it's, it's local the, food festival in yeah, the country, or it's something the longest, like that. Here's the key: okay. longest running okay. free. That's the key word: longest running free culinary arts festival in America. There are some that have been around longer, but you have to pay to get in. So our, the gotcha. key there is free. And Oktoberfest has been around 42, 43 years now. And the, no offense taken at all. There are 40 years of PR and promotion and marketing that have been done before I even got there. That's why Blink is so special to me is, number one, it had never been done. People, yeah. until it happened, I don't think we even knew exactly what it was. And then to try to explain that and being told along the way nobody knows about it and then have a million people there, that yeah. one, I'm, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. But, but taste, you know, we do innovate those events every year in some way. We try to switch something up. So for two years now at Taste of Cincinnati, we've had Taste of Findlay Market. And that was yeah, the food trucks added for yep. the first time a couple of years ago. Yeah. So just adding those type of things. And what's really cool about the Taste of Findlay Market, this was one of those things that we thought about, but we didn't think it'd be as big of a deal. One of the um, vendors that participated was a place called the Arepa Place or the Arepa Place. And they were brand new to the area, sort of a pop-up shop and came to taste where, and the marketing at something like that, where you have access to 600,000 people to show off what you're doing. So they, they got bigger because of being seen at at Taste of Cincinnati. And then they got a grant from Sam Adams, who does tremendous things. Jim Cook still does great things in Cincinnati. And they got a grant from that. And now they're a brick and mortar store because of, not just because of Taste, but that had a, a lot I to do. I feel like Taste yeah. helped us out a ton when we, the first yeah. time that we did it. It's like, wow, where all these people come from? And they all have money. They're like, 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 like everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah. t-shirt, sure, let's do it. Yeah, that Get was, a, I think that was our surprise, you know, because besides Cincinnati, you just, you never know when you've hit everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or you think you've hit everybody. And we would be at Taste of Cincinnati and we'd realize, like, man, there's like three-fourths of the city that's never even heard of us. Yeah. So so when I talked about earlier, like, Oktoberfest. Yeah. Like looking for those, looking for that job that, um, that's harder to do than you think. <laughs> um, looking for that next job or that next position where 
you know, I had a blast working at 700 WLW when it was time. I wanted to do something where I could feel like I'm, I'm making some sort of change in the world, and even if it's tiny. So things like Blink are, are those things. And Taste of Cincinnati, when you see restaurants there and you know that, that if they win a Best of Taste award, that their business go, goes up. Yeah. You know, not just at the, not just at Taste of Cincinnati, but in their restaurant, their business goes up because of something like that. So, Having some small part in in a lot of those things like that, that's that's rewarding. Yeah, because you can kind of see the trajectory of some of the more, you know, like Keystone. Mm -hmm. I remember I'd never heard of them until they had, like, best mac and cheese or whatever the award they won at Taste of Cincinnati. Yeah. And now they've got, you know, several locations. Larry Kruger. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like I'm not taking credit for that, nor is anyone at the chamber taking credit for that. But it is one of those byproducts of hey, we were part of yeah. having the Arepa place here, and now they're a brick and mortar. And it wasn't necessarily because of us, but it certainly didn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, I I'd say it. I feel I feel like taste helped us turn cool. a corner for sure. That's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, I got a question about the the chamber in general. We've been members for two years. And my uh, this is, is going to be good. Is this gonna, should this be saved for a, a no, meeting no. with the chamber? I, I think I think we need a you need to sell us on it. No, I got I got my renewal uh, for the next year coming yeah. up. I actually thought about it. I'm like, huh? Are we taking advantage of everything the chamber offers? I mean, I feel like we do it to be good guys, and yeah. you know, we want right. to be you know included and all that stuff, and get listed on a directory. But what are some things that small businesses like us? can really uh, benefit from uh, being members of the Cincinnati yeah. Chamber. There are th- about three reasons people join. Some people just want to have the plaque or the sticker in the window to say, we're members of the Chamber. Others want to take part in our in our cost savings programs like Humana Insurance or Shakely Workers Comp. And I don't know if that would help yeah, you guys or we not. Get, we have a discount yeah. uh, for insurance for our company yeah. because we're members of the Chamber. And, and the, the, you know, if you want to fly on... Uh, on the shuttle, I'm blanking on the name. Um, Ultimate Air. Ultimate Air, thank you. If you want to fly on Ultimate Air or get discounts at, at uh, Office Depot, things like that. So there's so that's where you guys fall partially. But then we also do all, all these other programs that are meant, and they're not all for everyone, but there's we do leadership development programs like Leadership Cincinnati. Then there's some for young professionals like uh, Cincy Next and Sea Change for women and We Lead. So that's part of it is is just leadership development. If your company doesn't offer those type of leadership development opportunities, here's a chance to develop your employees. If you're new to the area, we have a lot of talent initiative programs right now. That So, so if you were brand new from Cleveland coming here and didn't know anybody, this is a way you can come in for half a day and find out a lot about the area and connect with with people that uh, th- that are also new, but then also meet people from Cincinnati that can help you to make those next connections. So the, uh, let me just tell you a little bit, real quick version of what of what the chamber does. And there are programs and initiatives through all of this that are there to help businesses. And if you take advantage of the ones that make sense for you, I, I do believe that they work. So we have three pillars of work. One is, is our bold voice for business, which is government affairs, infrastructure. So like still trying to build a new Brent Spence bridge. And when our, pre- like we have the great, we have great leadership in Brendan Call and Jill Meyer. Jill Meyer's our president. And I always say, Jill's great. Yeah. If Jill says we're getting a new Brent Spence bridge, then by God, we're getting a new Brent Spence bridge. I don't know when, but, but if Jill says it's going to happen. Jill well, Myers was the first lawyer that ever helped us. And she did it because she liked us. That's awesome. And I will never forget that. Jill has tremendous power. Like in the in the region, she is a very powerful person, but acts like one of us. 
Yeah. Like she's very humble and down to earth. Um, so bold voice for business, also working on, on transportation to get, move people mainly to jobs, but because there's so many areas where there's just no way to get from where, if you don't have a car, there's no way to get from where you live to a job or to the hospital or to education. So we're working on that. And that's a tough job, but that we're working on it. And we have lots of partners. What you'll see throughout a, a lot of this is we collaborate with a lot of other people to, to get things done. And that's another one of those things we talked about. What high school are you, are you from? One of those things that's really uniquely Cincinnati is the way that we all work together to get something done. So, for example, we're trying to get more tech talent to come to this region. And Kroger Technology partnered with us to help do that. They didn't do it just for Kroger Technology. That's part of it. But they want tech talent throughout the whole region, not just for their jobs. So it, it's very unselfish, and we're working together to do those kind of things. So that's, that's one is bold voice. So that's like transportation, infrastructure, those type of things. And then if, if your business, let's say they, they changed the law about parking out in front of this place or something, you wanted to do something about that and didn't know who to call, the chamber can help you with that. The answer still might be no, okay. but we can at least you at least know who to call because we have a government affairs department, brand, brand new vice president Katie Egan in our in our uh, government affairs department, so they can help with those type of things. And if I'm not a member, you say pound sand, well, buddy. Probably, probably not because I think the way we look at it is let's show this person what we can do, and then say, hey, yeah, you know, this is this is a benefit to you. You can see you see what we can do. Why not yeah. become a member? And we have nearly four thousand members, so that's a lot of the a lot of businesses are, and eighty three percent of those are small businesses. So everybody thinks we're oh chamber. That's just big business. No, it's not. Eighty three percent of our members are are small businesses. Okay, the second arm is the talent initiatives, which is trying to grow and diversify our talent base. Because what our members tell us more than anything is we have lots of jobs and we can't find anybody to fill those jobs. And so that's where transportation also ties into this, trying to get the transportation, but then also just trying to bring more people to this area. And and we've learned that if we don't look at a more diverse audience to come here, we're just going we're going to lose in that area. So that's why we started a thing called Cincinnati Compass, which is a a, a Right now, it's a website, but it could grow into more than that. That's a way to welcome immigrants to Cincinnati. And I'm not I'm not getting in a debate about, you know, who's legal and who's not or whatever. Sanctuary I'm just talking about. Yeah. Just talking about wall. the people who the people. Let, let's make sure that, the, that everyone feels welcome here. So that that's part of our talent initiatives. And then some of the programs, like I, I told you about the uh, the Kroger thing. Also, we're work, working with Cincinnati Public Schools, who have just started a program with us that builds a pipeline of, of people that will, of students, seniors that will go into businesses and work two or three days of the week and then go to school two or three days of the week so they can learn manufacturing and advanced manufacturing, which there are going to be tons of jobs in those areas that are there are tons that are open now, even more so as the baby baby boomers retired. And those jobs pay really well. So if college isn't your thing, this is a really smart way to go. And CPS and we're working with manufacturers like uh Allied Window and Steinhauser and Gold Metal Products. So we have these these great partners that are helping us to build things like that. That's, that was went a little longer than I wanted, but the, the third pillar is just sharing what's so cool about Cincinnati. So identifying those things that are great and then sharing that there's an organization called Source Cincinnati so that when you see, you see a story in the New York Times that says Cincinnati is the number eight 
out of 52 places to visit in 2018, you're like, wow, that's really cool. It's because Source Cincinnati is working the New York Times day, day after day after day after day and working a lot of other people, showing them what we have here so that when they write stories like that, they go, yeah, Cincinnati's... You're top of mind. Yeah, Cincinnati's... And what we've learned is when they bring reporters in, on, on about the second day they're here, they start looking around and go, pretty affordable to live here? Yeah, it's actually very affordable. Like, I could see myself here. And so that's really cool when you have, you know, so people really, in from... you go to high school? <laughs> <laughs> and, think about that. <laughs> and we're right back where we started. <laughs> so in all, and the, the one thing we weave through everything we do is is regional in, regional thinking, so making sure that we're including all the 15 counties and then also inclusion, which I've talked a lot about already, just making sure that everybody has the same opportunity to enjoy this renaissance that Cincinnati's seeing right now. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Man, what a great story. Uh, we have to have you back with Mo. I think no, that's those, a great idea. Those, those stories, we'll have to come back. We, we used to do these characters. I, I know we're probably running over on time, but no we, time limit. When we we would do Saturday mornings on WLW when nobody else would do it, and this is when they wouldn't let Mo or I either on the air. And but if they had nobody, they would put us yeah. on Saturday. And we were we were Big Bobby Bravo and Johnny Kiwi, and and we would. We would, do the like hand we would do the handoff to, to each other and, and interview each other as other people. And one of the like corporate guys called in one morning and said, who are these guys? And we were from – we said we were on loan from WWJD in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I guess he thought we were pretty good. But, oh, but it was like – we didn't change our voices or anything. We just <laughs> – so we were Big Bobby Bravo and Johnny Kiwi. So. WWJD in Bethlehem, <laughs> Pennsylvania. That's <laughs> Oh man, yeah. um, station it surely is right. <laughs> so we're uh, we always ask our guests to give yeah. us a word. Okay, and this word will be a coupon that people can use until the next episode comes out. Okay. So if you're going to give us a word, what would that? I'll word make be? it simple. Blink. Blink. All caps. Okay. Love it. Blink. All wow. caps. So it go. actually will work uh, either way. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> for fun, do it in all caps. Yeah. Sure. So type in Blink on CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com. Correct. Yep. Uh, Come for into our stores and yell Blink. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody <get> Blink. <laughs> and you'll save 20% on your yeah. order in store or online uh, until uh, the next episode comes out. As always, we ask you to subscribe. And uh, how can people follow uh, you and or the Chamber uh, uh, happenings? I've it's been a long time since I checked my handle on Twitter or Instagram. I think it's it's either Rich Wahlberg or R Wahlberg W A L B U R G, and I, I use them. I just I forgot my my handle on those. And then at the chamber, it's CincinnatiChamber.com. So and they can get all the fun stuff that you got. Going so you're not on. the Wahlburgers guy. No, I'm not that guy. Uh, I, get, I was waiting I, for the Wahlburger stories. I get that a lot, and I, <laughs> I I've I've yet to go to the restaurant, but I do want to like at least show my license when I go in and see if I can get free burgers. Yeah. It is it is uh, at Rich Wahlberg. At Rich Wahlberg. Thank confirmed. you. There you go. R I C H W A L B U R G. And right there at the top, that is Rich Wahlberg comedy. There's a picture of a reporter from Channel 5 <laughs> doing a story. You, we'll put the graphic uh, right. up, on, yeah, yeah. up on the... Okay. He just, it's Molly Lair. He just put, watch out! <laughs> you got to see it. It's a visual. It doesn't work great for podcasts. But right. just the, the top tweet on his post, right, on his feed right now, is sums up 
your yeah. sense of humor, which pretty I much have always it. adored. Well, thank you. I appreciate that because <laughs> you're pretty damn funny yourself. Thank you, Rich. All right. <laughs> appreciate you being here, man. Oh, it's, this has been great. I, I'm finally a subject matter expert on something. <laughs> Me. Rich Wahlberg, find him on Twitter at Rich Wahlberg. It's simple as that. And Wahlberg is W-A-L-B-U-R-G. And that tweet that Josh was talking about at the end there, that's pinned at the top of Rich's feet. So you go to his Twitter feed and it's right there. And as always, we invite you to plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Lots of great episodes back in there. John Keyswetter talking about WKRP. You know, Rich talked about... uh, I guess uh, John's prickly relationship uh, with uh, WLW and Clear Channel. Uh, Amy S. back off of Movies and TV was talking about her late husband, John Ritter, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and all the movies and TV shows she's been in. Dean Gregory from Montgomery and had some great stories about Bob Hope and James Brown and uh, former President George W. Bush. It was awesome. Also check out, of course, Frank Marzullo, Randy Rico, your old pal Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show, Finn Rock, as well as the aforementioned uh, Mo Egger. We heard some stories about there with Rich. Cash Wright, Mike Mathis, Johnny Bench, Bronson Arroyo, if you like the sports, they've all been on. And uh, really, all the episodes are great. Haunted Cincinnati, Abandoned Cincinnati, check those out as well. Abandoned Cincinnati also has, uh, the first half is actually about the old Cincinnati Comets. So if you're interested in the outdoor soccer, a lot of excitement with, of course, uh, FC Cincinnati getting promoted to MLS, and you want to learn about the old soccer team, uh, you can download or stream that episode. Let's see here. Oh, if there's something you'd like to hear on the podcast, drop us an email, info at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line, and then uh, Josh and Aaron will see that gets forwarded to me, or they can reach out if it's someone they know uh, better than I do, and we'll get them on the podcast. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the Tri-State. Maybe they went to school here or vice versa. Uh, Today's show was produced by me with all from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, but they are from Philadelphia. How about that? You can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, oh golly, all kinds of Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia. We've got old radio shirts in there, defunct sports teams, of course, restaurants, malls, uh, all the great places. If you're from one of those, towns, uh, do check that out. And we have a lot of defunct teams, like I said, in uh, shopping centers, restaurants, similar to Cincy shirts, but for those towns. In case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is BLINK. All lowercase, uppercase, doesn't matter, it all works. Use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com order or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come into one of our Cincy Shirt stores. That would be in OTR, Hyde Park, and Loveland. And then you can just say BLINK, and they will give you 20% off after they possibly blink. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show again. Uh, give us a review wherever you got the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
I said goodbye